On today's episode, Dan and Manny welcome Georg Charman to talk all about nostalgia and shared experiences. It's time to get your nerd. Time to get your nerd. 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 Welcome to the Nostalgia Test Podcast, the show where two longtime friends put their mainstream pop culture past to the ultimate test, the Nostalgia Test. International nerd on. Oh, and this right. is, this, <laughs> just finding out now. We are taught, we were like, now we're not only bi-coastal, Dan, but we are going all the way to Austria for this one. <sighs> Holy nostalgia. Our guest okay. is up at two o'clock in the morning, okay, <laughs> just to sit here and talk to us and school us on the idea of nostalgia. And mm. I like these episodes that you're doing, Dan, and you're making us do because it stops us from watching too much television, too many movies <laughs> that I've already watched a hundred times. And we don't really, we didn't have to prep anything. I didn't have to go through a marathon of Rockies. And not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. We just have to sit here and talk nostalgia. So mm. I'm excited. I'm really yeah. excited. I'm so. excited too. This is going to be great. I, I had put uh, a few months ago, I put up a, what's called in the academic world in my other life, teaching at University of Southern California, um, a CFP, which is like a call for papers, but in this case, call for podcasts. And um, for anyone to come on, talk about nostalgia or pop culture and things. I really didn't know if I was going to get anyone that was want to come on to a podcast like this to talk about it, but I've have a bunch of people coming on soon and Manny and I are going to sit down with a lot of great people. And we are so, so honored to have uh, Georg Charman here to talk all about nostalgia, shared experiences, movies, TV. It's going to be great. So Georg, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're, we're super excited. So, um, but yeah, why don't you uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself, uh, what you do, and then, well, yeah, we'll just jump right in. Yeah, sure. Also, with a quick summary. At the moment, or I've been a program and writer for the website shortoftheweek.com since 2010. And back then, I started as the only non-native writer because it's an American website. Actually, it's an international website, but we're located mainly in the US. And in my day job, I'm a film program manager at an Austrian national TV station choosing which films to broadcast and at which time how to prepare them for linear TV. So I have both sides, the online and the more traditional programming. But I also got my master's degree or actually the Magister, which is the Austrian equivalent of the Master of Arts in Theater, Film and Media Studies from the University of Vienna. Mm-hmm. Also writing my, my master thesis on the American independent film scene. I started out as a no-budget short filmmaker, played some festivals when I was like 16, 17, moved into working on feature films and advertisements, finding out that it's not what I love about film, being on set, but more talking about film and TV, writing about it, thinking about it. And that's how I moved into creating programming and writing about it, like I said. That's when Short of the Week got on my radar 
and I also worked like an internet TV startup and had my own podcast like 10 years ago. So <laughs> tried a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not even everything. Like even in the last few months, I, I did a course in Coursera about virtual reality. I started a Substack just to try more of my own writing. And I'm sure I'm, I'm missing some things, but that's like just of it. Wow. That's, well, go ahead, Manny. <laughs> First, I don't know if you mind this question, but how old are you? I'm 33. 33. Wow. All that already. Damn. That's Damn. awesome. First of all, I went to school for film um, mm -hmm. way back in 2004. Um, and then I quickly became an electrician and now I own a brewery. So our lives take us in many different ways. I like that you were podcasting even before, like, it seems like podcasts were a thing. Now, like, podcasts are everywhere. And that, that's, that's really cool. Um, and um, the fact that you liked, you realized that you liked the act of talking about film. And just like, yeah, that's, that, I thought that was really interesting. Um, mm. What are you, are you working on specific things now? Well, at the moment, mostly it's still short of the week. Oh yeah, and I forgot to mention, I screened for Southwest of West for two years, the last two years in the episodic pilot category. Oh, that's right, yeah. At the moment, I would say I'm, I'm trying to transition into a new phase, combining the creating and still some creative urges. I think it's too early to talk about something specific. Okay. But I'm, I'm excited for what's to come, to be honest. I think there will mm -hmm. be a new... I'm tempted to say revolution, but at least some kind of change now in the TV and film industry. As always, there's so much happening, but of course with, with COVID and with the changes in the theatrical business, but also what we're seeing now with Netflix having a hard time and streaming changing, streaming wars. I'm a big believer in niche content. Mm. And as we see with like Patreon and OnlyFans and Substack, um, for writing and for podcasting or whatever, I believe there are chances for filmmakers, especially independent filmmakers, to even more so create a brand and connect with with their audience if they have mm. a very specific voice. Mm. And that's what I'm excited to see and maybe play a part in. Mm. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, there's so much to kind of dive into. The one thing I was curious about, like you said, your interest in American independent films. So what is it about the American independent film industry or American independent films that interested you so much? I'll try to keep it short, but I think <laughs> in the beginning, of course it was when I'm saying American independent films, it was the nineties and the odds, the heyday of American independent film when Sundance got big and before Hollywood made independent film just a, another genre and part of it of course was this vibe you got from it something that made you cool when you knew it or part of a club yeah like especially in Austria you, you didn't have access to all to all the films but I remember mm. watching Coffin Cigarettes by Jim Charmish in the cinema <laughs> and if I met someone else who watched the film I immediately felt connected and knew there would be something we'd get along because it's mm. so hard to seek out and then you know all the directors and all these obscure titles or I know having happiness 
on TV late at night, recording it and having the feeling of achievement through watching it. And nowadays it's almost too easy sometimes. Mm. But there's still some things like Columbus by Coconada or Comet, one of the earliest MS model films, mm. where I had to really go out of my way to order a DVD as a, like a, a French import, which had English audio just to watch mm. it. Yeah, I me- I was I actually had a student in my class. I was, I was showing them coffee and cigarettes mm. and they, they was like, I don't get it. They're like, why would anyone want to sit here and watch this? I'm like, oh, you don't get, like, I was like, oh, you, you haven't seen this, but it's almost like it almost skips them even the interest to see it. Like mm-hmm. you mention it and I'm immediately going right to the Tom Waits scene with, um, you know, with the, when he's talking about delivering a baby on the parkway and I'm just like, oh my God, that's like such an iconic, weird film, like weird little film, but you're right. It's like already, I feel like yeah, we could just hang out and talk about that film. Like that's the shared, like you were talking in your email, like that shared experience of like having seen that movie where like, even if you haven't seen it, that's, you don't get, there's that relationship's not even there. It's almost doesn't even want to be made in some ways. Yo, you said those you said coffee and cigarettes and it went I I watched that actually in an independent film class and we like dissected that movie and as soon as you said that movie I went and I just like saw the the shots the way that he sh- shot everything and everybody that was in it and how I thought watching it like what it did to the actors like showing how cool the actors, like to me, like mm-hmm. the actors that were in it were so cool. And like you said, like the, it was a shared experience of just like being in that. It was like a little cult when you were into like independent films. Like, oh, did you see this like wild thing? Like, you know, I think Spike Lee was in it too before he got really mainstream. Mm-hmm. Like we had to watch a couple of his films as well. And it's funny that you say, Dan, that your students now are like, I don't get it yet they'll go on TikTok and watch like a one minute, like, mm-hmm. you know, thing about nothing where I'm like, I don't get it. And they're like, this is so funny. I'm like, this is content to you. Like this is nothing. Like I'm watching a guy play with ping pong balls, trying to get it into like a little cup. But yet you're saying that coffee and cigarettes, you don't get it. Like blows my mind that that came out of that kid's mouth. But I guess, it's but also, in different times. But also the idea of those two things, right? Coffee and cigarettes. Like, yeah, that's that, true. That too, like, because I remember, like, it makes me think about, and I guess this goes deeper into what you were saying, you know, what um, the other questions I have for you as well, uh, Georg, that about nostalgia, how like, it's not even just the movie. It's like that cultural experience of being able to go to a place and literally order order, order coffee in a diner. And then open a pack of cigarettes, which is what I did for many years until I quit smoking and smoke cigarettes and drink coffee for hours into the night. Like that's something that isn't really a thing anymore here because you can't smoke anywhere inside in, in, in the United States and drink coffee till all hours of night. So even that pairing doesn't make sense to some people. So they can't have that nostalgic like shared kind of experience with with someone. That's true, even though I never smoked, but just the idea of going to a diner as an, an 
Austrian, I, I'm so Americanized. I've always <laughs> been through films and TV and mm. like my, my friends in America sometimes called me an honorary American. Mm. <laughs> Just because it's this inherently nostalgic feeling, I think, is a big part of it. How you connect to certain experiences you never had, but still feel connected to. And Coffin Cigarettes was one of the films that just came to my mind because I had the poster in my room and it was a very important experience for me seeing it in cinema when I was about, I think, 14 or something. It was when wow. IndieWire came up, still mm. in Web 1.0. Mm-hmm. But Coffin Cigarettes also has an inherent nostalgic feeling, being black and white, how it was produced because it started with three short films that um, I think the first one with Roberto Benini and Stephen Wright was from 1986 and the third one you're referring to with Tom Waits and Iggy Pop from 1993. Mm. Those were three shorts and then uh, he made a feature with more shorts behind it. Wow. And it's in its entirety like taken out of time. Mm. It just sit there, like you said, you see those people sitting in the diner or having coffee, talking about stuff. And it doesn't even matter what decade it is. Mm. No. You're right there. Mm. Dude, that was a phenomenal film. I also see that you have, in the, in the, not to stray off of that conversation, but in the left-hand <laughs> corner, you have uh, Midnight in Paris, which is one of mine and my wife's favorite uh, films to watch together. Because uh, the idea of like, you'd never think you belong in the time that you're in. And you're always mm. looking back. And even when he went back and he believed that was like the golden age for him, the woman that he was in love with wanted to go even further back because she believed she wasn't in a good time. So it's like we always are never, we're always like feeling for the past because we feel like the present isn't as, you know, that great. But yet people in the future are going to look at ours and be like, no, they had it. They had it great. They, they had it, you know, amazing. They had to be, you know, like, you know, when kids are in the future and they're like, they didn't have cell phones to bother them and they grew up with bikes and, and you know, all the stuff that we grew up with as kids. So it's funny that that movie is on your corner, on your wall, because I remember watching that saying like, there is a there is a thing of saying like, is it bad to look too far back and not be in the present? Mm. But then at the same time, being like thinking about the past makes you feel good now. Mm -mm. so like it's a weird thing nostalgia because you don't yeah. want to get too you know like i always try to say like oh i gotta live in the present i gotta live in the present but there's just so many things i love when i'm reminded about things in the past that make me enjoy now mm. so it's like this weird feeling like so are we really enjoying the present or is the help of the past helping us enjoy the present mm. That's a good point, yeah. But exactly, that movie is one of the most perfect examples when you talk about nostalgia and also how he romanticizes nostalgia or the ex entire experience being in Paris, yeah. being in Paris in the rain, falling in love. Mm. And one part of nostalgia is romanticization. There's always some melancholy to it. That's mm. also very important. But also there's melancholy to romance. Or to think some idea of romance people like the main character in the film, but also like me have 
by watching movies. And as as you say, he he wants to go back to another time thinking that's so much better and then there's always someone else who says now is not a good time back then the Belle Epoque <laughs> that's when people really lived and yeah. of, of course I think it's almost <laughs> too much of a cliche to say but I think I think it was Plato who said uh, that the youth of today is rotten and they they don't talk enough they read stuff or something and each generation says that about their youth that they had better and now it's over and culture is dead. Of mm. course, it's every time it's new. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny because we, I find myself trying to always think like, okay, try to connect to something that's like newer and being like, I don't want to be like, I can't like d- enter into it, but maybe there's something with my ears when it comes to music now, where like, if I hear something super new, I'm just like, I don't know. Like I, I just there's something where I can't enter. But like there was something that you said in your email, like this idea of like the comfort of watching something over and over again and kind of that comfort. So I guess I, my question too, like about nostalgia, do you think like something has to be good for it to also be nostalgic? Or can it be something that isn't considered like a great film or an amazing song or a ground something groundbreaking? Does it have to be does that is that a prerequisite to something have being nostalgic do you think no not at all i don't think so i think it's mostly connected to emotions and emotions come from experiences Hmm. and then it depends on what you connect to it when you think of it and it can be like the first time you saw it in cinema the first time you watched in dvd and examples of film or when you heard the song for the first time who were you with and you're nostalgic mm. for that. And sometimes you can't even remember how it smelled yeah. like when you heard the song for the first time. And again, Midnight in Paris is a, a movie I watch each year around the 1st of January. Hmm. Just because it, it gets me into the new year. It's an easy movie, but it's not stupid. Yeah. And it, it has right. this. For January 1st for me is like a day taken out of time. It's not the new year yet, but the old year is over. And that's the same feeling that the movie evokes for me. Now, question about mm-hmm. that. You watch first of all, I love that you watch it that day. <laughs> yeah. Um but when you are watching it, are you thinking of other times that you've watched it on that day and recapping some of the better like highlighting some of the better times that you've watched it? Like are you usually thinking about like oh i remember five years ago i was with this person or i was friends with these or this was happening in my life and you're still watching it but it's like going through flashbacks of always watching it around that time it's almost like you're cleansing yourself but at the same time like reviewing everything in your life every time you watch that movie (laughs) i think i do yeah (laughs) (laughs) So it's like you're you're causing yourself to nostalgia yourself, like you're like a hundred percent, you know. Yeah, yeah. Which is like which is another thing that like you said. Even your smell, like I was discussing this with my wife, where I find the most profound sense mm-hmm. of nostalgia is smell. Like it to me, smell trumps all. Like it trumps listening to a song, watching a movie, um, even taste. Obviously shortly after is taste but if i walk in somewhere someone walks by me 
um, wherever I am and I smell something and that takes me back to a childhood memory, it automatically is like mostly good. Like Dan, you're asking like, does it sometimes, I mean, sometimes I guess you can make you, nostalgia can make you feel bad if obviously if you remember a traumatic moment from that smell or something. Yeah. But most of the time, and which I think a lot of memory does is like we clean up the bad, right? We were like, oh, it wasn't so bad. And you only really highlight the good. Like, we make ourselves the Instagram of ourselves, right? Like, the Instagram is the highlight wheel of life, they say. Like, most people are just showing the good parts and never really the dirty parts and stuff. But even with memories, sometimes you're just like, during the time, it was really bad. But then when you look back and you're like, that wasn't that bad. It's because you've gone through more issues. Mm. And then like, yeah, it wasn't that bad. And then you kind of like clean it up. But I do like I don't know where I'm going with this tangent. <laughs> this tangent that was a Manny tangent. <laughs> but I was just was wondering if you think like like what's the sense that gets you? Like is it hearing something, smelling, taste? Like I really think anytime like anytime I smell something, it's like tri- time travel to me. Like it literally can go back to like the cooking, like my mom's like stew that she cooked when she, you know. When I first had it, and like it always reminds me of ratatouille uh, when the the critic eats the ratatouille and he goes back to being a child and he's crying and his mom gives him the ratatouille. That happens to me, and to me, that's like a form of time travel, like mm. and a form of like reliving that and like feeling good about it. But mm. so I wasn't sure what your senses feel about. It. That was a Manny tangent. <laughs> There's there's so much to unpack here. I want to start with uh, one of my favorite fun facts is that the sensory or that smell is the sensory impulse that stays with humans the longest. Like we can mm. remember smell for the longest, not anything we've seen or heard. And I always found it fascinating because you don't think about it for the first. And something that you mentioned I haven't thought about, but like curating oneself through nostalgia. That's a very interesting thing because of course nowadays you have your social media and you have to focus right there but before then you could have made a scrapbook or have a diary or whatever but creating a sense of self through the things you consume and how you feel about them and it's also something I'm very fascinated with like the narrative of self mm. and how you view past experiences is a big part of it and it makes sense that you have nostalgia or something that plays into that. Mm. And of course, we have to talk a lot more about the third thing, which is nostalgia as time travel mm. or storytelling as a time machine. Yeah. yeah, you put down a show in the email like Mad Men, like mm. where like Mad Men was like <laughs> like a visual time machine. I mean, it literally sucked everyone in so well because of how detailed it was to creating that nostalgic time period. But also I think in American culture, that time period alone is probably one of the most nostalgic from like the fifties through the sixties. And so like, that's, you know, big, like everyone is like constantly always like, that is the the time period that's probably the most popular when it comes to you know some sort of nostalgia in the United States. But you know they created that time machine like 
visually. They didn't need any other senses. But, um, you know, what is it do you think about that time period? Like, you know, because you put that down and I was really curious, like, especially, you know, being from Vienna, like you see that and it's like, how does that get you in? Like, how did that work on you possibly? Yeah, like you say, I'm not American. I, I wasn't born in the 50s and 60s. It's still an, an an era a lot of people are nostalgic for. And of course, there, there's the argument we're free white dudes and it's easier for us to be nostalgic for that era. Mm-hmm. So yep. that's something to always keep keep in mind. Sorry. But maybe there was there was less technology. It's so hard to pin down and also want to mention about Mad Men. There are two reasons why it's interesting in terms of nostalgia. On the one part, because it's a, a show a show set in the 60s. But also I was referring to this one episode, The Carousel, where Don Draper is selling this new projector from Kodak. And he says, it's a time machine. It makes you go yeah. back and forth and go back to a place you ache to go back again. Long story short, there's I have to talk about this book, Retromania by Simon Reynolds. It's amazing. If, he writes about music and how ret- retro mm-hmm. influenced music to a point where it's not innovative again and you could make the same argument about mainstream films. Mm-hmm. And I will make that argument at some later point. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things I found interesting was that he said that mostly we're nostalgic for times when we weren't nostalgic yet. When it was easier, when there were, wasn't something to ache for. And that's where you go back to. Interesting. See, that's interesting because I wonder if the people growing up in the 60s were nostalgic for like the 20s. You know, because like, you know, Roaring 20s, right? That's a, that's not me making out the Roaring 20s, right? That was a thing? Yeah, they like, yeah. <laughs> so like, I wonder if in the 60s people were like, oh, I miss those times. You know, we used to go in the speakeasies and all this stuff and it's like um were they less was there less content i guess for nostalgia like now it's like you could find there's there's been so much since then Mm. and i feel like i I, first of all i never watched mad men Mm -hmm. i always wanted to i i think i'm at the point where i'm like can I binge that's those i'm not sure i heard there it was great i feel like i know the idea of like the time Mm -hmm. period People smoking cigarettes, drinking while, you know, at lunchtime. And I don't want to say they had less worries, but it's almost like a lot of things were very, they were new, Mm -hmm. but they were also like people were very, I want to say classy. Like everybody was always dressed. Like when you went to an airplane, you felt like you were going on something special. People Mm -hmm. dressed up as if they were going to a wedding. Mm -hmm. You go on an airplane now, I do it. I travel a lot. I wear sweatpants. I wear the most comfortable thing you could wear, mm-hmm. right? You look like you're about, you're on, you know, you just got up. Some people look like they just got up out of bed and went to the airport. But yet back then it was all new. It was like something special. Everything was special. And now it's like we've had so much that now it's like, I don't care about that. I don't care about it. It's so easy to be like, we've so much that nothing's like sacred anymore. But mm-hmm. then it was like everything was sacred. 
Well, maybe they're having more nostalgia now. Maybe there is because like, think about just recently that song by Kate Bush, um, running oh, up the hill to, has just killing it blew up again. Cause like, of stranger things. Right. Which is a show which, which plays on everyone's nostalgia, right. Yep, For that of time, that Goonies type of stand by me, like, um, Error, right? I mean, they, they the shots that they do on that show is strictly for us to go, I remember that kind of shot. I remember the four people on the bike. I remember, mm-hmm. you know, it. I don't even like horror, but I watch that show because I want to remember E.T. I want to remember how cool movies were back then. So maybe it is, maybe it's just the fact that there's so much that we have access to that it's almost like we can access all those things much easier, right? I can go on my phone and get any song ever that's been ever, ever created. Um, I don't have to go searching for it. Like you were saying, Georg, like you had to go search and order these DVDs. And I remember that too, like going to a record store and be like, I got to find this album. But wasn't there and, a joy for that joy that, that even that in itself was a journey? Yeah. And like you went with your friends and you like, you went to Tower Records and you mm-hmm. went through the thing and you found that, or you went yeah. to, what, what was it called, Dan? It was only where you went to get an independent like ska music that like nobody knew about. Yeah. It was the oh, one that- Cheap House, yeah. No, there's another one that was, it was, was it Empire Records? It was right by, um, sorry to go do this, um, but <laughs> it was right by the uh, Stewart Avenue. It might have been Empire Records. I think it was Empire Records. Like that's where you went for that band that nobody knew about, like mm-hmm. that was recorded in someone's basement. And you found that yeah. record and it was so cool to do that. And now it's like, oh, I could just look it up and somebody has it on Spotify. So it's like it's cool that we have so much access to it, but I feel like you you do lose like because there's so much access, our kids are our kids gonna be able to in ten years, twenty years, feel nostalgic about that. Because I could tell you a story of going to Empire Records and then going to the pizza store next door, and I could smell that pizza right now as I'm talking about it. That guy on Spotify, that kid on Spotify, he's not, he's at home. What nostalgic thing is he making? Again, so much to unpack. Like, (laughs) (laughs) and I don't think about this regularly. I'm just thinking about it now that we're like talking about it, and I'm just like, yeah. Older people always talk about like the journeys, the 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 experiences that they had during that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like going yeah. to the movies. Now we're streaming at home all the time. I'm watching yeah. Stranger Things, but then I get to come into the podcast, and me and Dan might be able to talk about it. But like back in the day, we would go to someone's house on a Friday, yeah, and sit down, and all of us would just be watching TV. I mean, and then, then you're talking about it. And that experience was yeah. not just because, you know, TJF Fridays worked. Why? Because you had experience with the people you loved and you were laughing together. Now, TJF Fridays, you're just watching it alone. Or TGIF? T- no, rest, TGIF Fridays. TGIF, <laughs> sorry. Thank God it's Fridays, right? Yeah. Imagine Full House. Thank God, you know, TJF now. I don't think it works. Wouldn't I think work. that's why also there's so much content that gets canceled. Like you were saying Netflix is having a tough time. The streaming wars that are happening. Yeah. People get bored very easily now, I think. I think there's too much content. Mm-hmm. And I also don't think we're having shared experiences 
we're meant as humans to be next to each other. Mm. We're not meant to be. I mean, yeah, damn, me and you connect. And this is great. This technology helps. We're talking to somebody in Austria right now. And that's phenomenal. Crazy. And I think that's a great experience. But if we were all together, we'd totally even have different. a better experience. Yeah. Like, we're, I'm going to remember this experience. But if yeah. I was together with you in a studio, mm-hmm. and then we're laughing together, and we're seeing, we're like sharing that physical interaction, that journey together, we're going to even remember it more. Like, I just when he, when he brought up, he's from Austria, I remember San Anton. I remember snowboarding. I was there physically. I could tell you what the club Das Base smelled like <laughs> after all these people were snowboarding and skiing, okay? I could remember, I remember that. But like, well, so there's just a lot to think about psycholo- psycho- psychological wise. What yeah. now? What now is going to be like twenty years from now? Of what is the what is what are kids going to be talking about? Is, are they going to have less less nostalgic experiences because there is so much content and there is so much access? Well, that that was my that was going to be my question to to you, uh, Georg. Is like you said, like we can. You know, some part of nostalgia is, is having that comfort of rewatching a film. Like you rewatch Midnight in Paris once a year. And, and is it because, do you think like the overload of content, no one does enough rewatching and it's always like, what's the next new thing instead of the constant rewatching maybe? For sure. And I think it it's even a bigger argument like when you say shared experience there are two parts to it it's a literal Mm. shared experience of being together but there's also something that we can um something that we all know so if we talk about men in paris all three of us have seen it and we can talk about it and today like what's the chance of meeting someone who saw the same obscure thing that you saw or even something mainstream I, I haven't watched Game of Thrones till this day. You haven't seen Mad Men. And now we can't even talk about this. And there's there's no zeitgeist anymore. Like, I always think about how there are less and less subcultures because the popular culture is so fractured. And back in the day or when I was young, you had like two groups. You had the skaters and the ravers and you belonged to either or. And nowadays... I don't know how it works. Of course, it's much more niche and it can also be cool and you can find people internationally who are like you. Mm-hmm. But to really connect, you have to have the sense of belonging and shared cultural experiences, mm-hmm. knowing someone saw the same thing as you. And that's not happening today, I guess. And so the rewatching helps because most of its films I know other people have seen or TV shows and I feel automatically connected even though i'm alone that's also important for me and even more so with my favorite films or uh, tv shows especially sitcoms because i feel connected to those characters and they create a sense of nostalgia for me but it's also interesting i i'm 43 and i was talking to also sometimes uh, teach at university and i was talking to my students and to younger friends and paradoxically enough they listen to the same music from the early 2010s as i do for me it's nostalgia because i was in their age and they are at their age but still listening to older music because new music 
apparently doesn't create that kind of zeitgeist that they long for. <laughs> so they're in their early 20s being nostalgic for a feeling of going out and having fun, even though they could. But maybe COVID is part of it because they couldn't. So we're, they were looking or are looking for an virtual escape. That's yeah. Uh, that's that's something we think about like even how isolate like how quarantine and everything COVID kind of did that like but then also like and I get oh, you know what though I'm really curious I want to make sure I ask this question before I forget because my brain will totally erase it so you were talking about like sitcoms that you watch I'm really curious what types of sitcoms did you connect to in that way to kind of create that kind of nostalgia because even with the idea of a sitcom that's a whole other like I like half hour sitcoms are were my life mm-hmm. when I was a kid that even that kind of like interesting, like live audience, like I guess multicam kind of sitcoms don't really exist like they used to. Like, so what, what, I'm curious what sort of sitcoms you kind of gravitated towards or watched. I still do. And I, of course, gravitated to friends. Like that was one of the biggest shows to me still is. Still you want to talk it. about zeitgeist? That was <laughs> exactly. That was, yeah. 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 Then if you, um, like the Simpsons are huge for me. They're not mm. the love track sitcom, live action, but they are 20 minute comedic yeah. format. So it's a sitcom. And when I'm dating, it's hard for me, meaning women who haven't seen the Simpsons, let alone <laughs> seen it as often as I have because I, I obscurely quote it and think it's funny and I laugh to myself and it's just strange yeah. and I get that. You would get along with our one of our listeners, Steve. Uh, he could probably quote all of uh, of the Simpsons. All that's of that's great. Me that's and my friends so always quote it, but of course if someone new is in the mm-hmm. group and it's one of the things I say I always on one of the first few dates, like you have to be aware that I quote The Simpsons a lot. I can't help it. It's just how <laughs> how I connect to life. <laughs> but that's what's so interesting. Like The Simpsons as a show, even like I watched it all the time when I was a kid, and and then I stopped. You know, I just somehow stopped watching it. But like, there's still I'll definitely watch very specific episodes during the year like definitely go back and watch Treehouse of Horrors mm-hmm. what's the new Treehouse of Horrors and keep watching them and then go oh man and then I get that feeling as soon as I see it being like the first time I ever saw it like immediately I'm thinking about the first episode I've ever seen of the Simpsons like the Christmas episode was the first episode I saw as a kid I can remember the living room I was sitting in where I was watching that episode mm-hmm. and and then I'm like, I want to keep watching The Simpsons. But yeah. then, you know, life gets in the way, so on and so forth. And I want to watch more of it. But it's interesting to see a show like that have such reach, too. And how nostalgia kind of crosses those like cultural, those cult- cultural boundaries or even linguistic, like linguistic boundaries. And you get, you know, The Simpsons gets translated or not, but like people gravitate towards it. And it's interesting you said like the, there might not be so many subcultures, but like, it's interesting to kind of see how one forms, right? Like, mm-hmm. so it's like the Simpsons can kind of create a subculture, right? Like Manny and I listen, we love the comedian Mitch Hedberg mm-hmm. and Mitch Hedberg is a subculture. I mean, you start quoting Mitch Hedberg jokes to people. If they know who Mitch Hedberg is, all of a sudden there's like, Oh, and it's, that's it. That's like oh, it's a whole instant, conversation for like an hour. You know, it's rest an in peace, connection. But yeah. 
And ah, it's a yeah. nostalgic feeling there. Mm. 100% and it's also interesting being on the podcast because I think that's one of the new mediums where you have this new connection. Because mm. on the one hand, and it's also something I, I read in this book by Simon Reynolds, where he explains where the term nostalgia originated. Mm. I'm not sure if you ever talked about it. but it, No, I want to hear. <laughs> it, it stems from the 17th century when a Swiss physician talked about it in terms of Swiss mercenaries, like military people, and their, what's the English word, like Heimweh, is it German, I think, it's also one of these German words that works in English, you're missing your home, you're missing your place. And he, he argues that because we're more connected globally, time now gets used instead of place for a nostalgic feeling. But in both cases, it's this community where I feel at home at either a time or a place. Mm. And I would argue that it's the same with groups and niche cultures. And coming back to the argument I was making with podcasts, because it's so niche. And then it's easier to connect if someone is a fan of the same podcast you're listening to. Like I remember, you know, the podcast, How I Built This with Guy Ross. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's one of my mm-hmm. favorites, and he was at Southwest of West, and I streamed it here in Austria. And at the end of the of the Q and A, one of the audience members asked him, "So, with everything you've achieved, what would you say comes down to luck and to talent?" <laughs> and it's the question he always asks at the end of each episode. And I was laughing so loud, feeling connected to the audience in Austin, Texas, <laughs> being alone at home. <laughs> yeah that's amazing that's, that's amazing great. yeah because you you connect to those little things that happen and it's just like now i'm part of this even though like it could be virtual or and like you're just sitting like you said at home what like participating in that way nostalgia creates like this much it's almost like the difference between like a country and a nation right mm-hmm. with a country there's like these very strict like borders or or imagine or lines right mm-hmm. but a nation can actually traverse that right because i can be part of a nation of something and be here and then someone could be somewhere else and be part of a nation part mm-hmm. of that kind of like nation or so if we use that word like that and it can kind of traverse those borders and be more um i guess nebulous in many ways and because like someone knows something very specific about that, whether the cultural custom or some sort of ceremonious as- aspect of it or some linguistic part of it, mm-hmm. it kind of kind of then almost connects you no matter what, no matter where you might be standing in that space. That's a very interesting point because nations or like money, all of that is intersubjective. I took the term mm-hmm. from Yuval Noah Harari because at some point, people decided or agreed upon that some piece of paper of value or that one country ends here and the other starts there but it's completely arbitrary it just decided mm-hmm. upon it and agreed upon it and the u.s is one of the most interesting examples in that regard because it's a yeah. short history filmmaking and hollywood and popular culture created the sense of what it means to be an american there wasn't some historical root in what the U.S. meant, but narratives and storytelling created that. 
and and now it's changing of course and i was talking to friends how like the pursuit of happiness is one of the cornerstones of the feeling of being american yeah uh, with this width of different cultures and people and you still have to agree on basic things of course mm -hmm. it's always evolving always changing but i think it's not a coincidence that the us is so good so good at storytelling mm. that there's a reason why i fell in love with american yeah. films and tv mm. if you like this podcast and you enjoy what you're hearing subscribe to the podcast you can go right to the website nostalgiatest.com hit subscribe you can subscribe on spotify apple Podcasts, stitcher Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast subscribe to the nostalgia test podcast Wow, we are winding down, but like, man, do you have any other questions? I mean, or? I could sit here and listen and talk about this all <laughs> the time right. and dissect so many things. We've jumped around so much, and yeah. I guess that we need like three more of these podcasts to get through this all. Oh, yeah. Because um, I'm still thinking about the comment um, you made about your two students who are listening to 2010 music because I think about <laughs> my I think about my niece, mm -hmm. and she's 20 years old, and she's listening to things that I rock out to and that even if it's 90s it's it, I mean yeah. even if it's if it's pop right just mm -hmm. like Celine Dion like real like fun let's go out music but not this not this decade like our decade the decade yeah. we went out and party mm -hmm. and and like she works she works behind the bar of the tasting room and there was a uh, gentleman probably a little bit old younger than me and was like how do you know this song Right, because mm -hmm. she's jamming out to it because she plays her own playlist, but she plays playlists that any most of the demographic of, of the people who come to the brewery are usually um, 35 to 45. So they they want to listen to the music that she's playing, and the, they're, but they're shocked that she's only 20. Mm -hmm. And she's like, why wouldn't you be into this? Mm -hmm. You know, like where I'm just like, this is all I listen to. She's like, no, this is so much better than what, like, like kind of what you said, Dan, like, the music now, it's like, it's people like it, but they like it for like a split second. It's just like Instagram. Everything's instant, gone. See you later. What's next? Yet everyone's going back to things that we listen to. Right. But I remember being young and also, and I'm still into Otis Redding. Mm -hmm. And I'm still into, you know, Frank Sinatra. And like listening to that makes me go into Catch Me If You Can with Tom Hanks and, and, um, DiCaprio and like thinking about that like that era and that movie and like that kind of music and I, I love I listen to all types of music but it's interesting that kids are still connecting to music from back then so the question is is like is there so much content I mean you said it before that the the new future is that there's going to be so much availability and so much content and so much opportunity to all these different creators uh, to create something for a very specific niche. I mean, we're continue we're on this podcast right now that's specifically for people who like nostalgia from people who were born in, I'm like, I'm born in 81, Dan's born in 82. So that's what we're going to talk about, right? I'm not talking about anything that came out in the twenties, but Maybe I did. Maybe I, I would if like my dad was watching it and I remember that part. But well, my like, dad forced me to watch. <laughs> so, so, so that what am I trying again? I go on these tangents. Um, 
That's L-I-T-H-O-L-O-G-Y brewing.com. So the question is, is like, is too much bad or is it still good because you're reaching, even if you're only reaching 50 people, those 50 people are having a shared experience and those 50 people will eventually feel nostalgic for that experience and feel good. And then that will let you continue to feel the pursuit of, to me, that's the pursuit of happiness. Mm -hmm. Forget about what America used to be like that, you know, like I've got, I've traveled a lot and I've, I actually, it's funny when you like, you love American cinema and music and stuff. I love European culture. I think you guys have gotten it right. Okay. You guys work, but you still also find time to enjoy and shut off a little maybe i'm wrong now maybe the culture has changed but i remember going to my family's portuguese i've been to portugal a couple of times and i remember first going to there there and realizing I, I i was a new yorker i wanted everything quick fast what are you doing why why are you not clearing the tables why are we allowed to sit here for two hours and only drink one bottle of wine and it wasn't about the profits it was just about i remember this woman came up to me and she said i paid my bills today mm. i'm not you don't have to leave. I've made the money I needed to. You guys are having an ex- a great time. You guys are laughing, having an experience, and I love it. Where if you were here, it'd be like, yo, let's turn that table to make another 50 bucks. So well, my point is, is that with the creation of all these different platforms and areas where people can create, you can create small nostalgic mm-hmm. groups for that specific niche which then would create more happiness around the world because people are continuing to feel that as they get older, they're still remembering and giving themselves a feeling of happiness. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm trying to say in my rumble that I just said. That's going to be great to edit. That's going to be more. It makes sense. And before I answer that, I want to um, say something else because... One of the things you mentioned triggered an idea how you feel European culture is interesting to you and I feel American culture is interesting to me and think it's part of being an outsider looking in and Mm. taking part of it. And maybe nostalgia is something similar. Why we're nostalgic for a time we haven't even lived through, but we know it through stories and narratives. And that's why it's interesting. You just gave me chills. That's great. Wow. I literally got goosebumps when you said that. Yeah. You're right. that, that it reminds me it reminds me of how you know <laughs> I guess why I even like if I see a movie about baseball, like it probably the one of the most American things like possible, you know, other than jazz and, and things like that. That even if I'm not a fan of baseball, which though I am, there's something about that that baseball diamond. Mm-hmm. There's something about just it that in itself that kind of like draws you in, and then you're just like, you know everything. Like you're just there. And if the baseball movies I've seen are less about baseball and more about like the people playing or their story, like Field of yeah. Dreams or the net, you know, things like that. It's just like Sandlot. Yeah, Sandlot. You know, it, it's just it's rookie. It's much more about the what occurs on that diamond instead mm-hmm. of like the game itself so maybe you're right i mean i i, I agree i would think it's that idea of like you're not there but you're hearing the stories and you want to be there because you have that shared that shared entry point into it that you can enter mm. all right yeah wow 
we could talk an entire episode about the nostalgia of baseball. Like, oh my god, one of the only games, <laughs> or even the only game, who doesn't have a clock that runs out. You have the innings, and tell me about it. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's literally a pastime. I actually don't like baseball, but I will watch every movie about baseball. Mm -hmm. <laughs> See, yeah. like, love it, love yeah. it. Damn, like yeah. when you're saying that, I'm I'm going through all the movies that I've seen about baseball, and I'm like, yeah, I'll sit down and watch a two hour movie about a sport that I don't really like. Yeah. Like, like again, like I, but yet I'll wa also watch a, a what. Americans don't like well uh, not all Americans but I'll watch fo football European football soccer and people will be like how could you watch a movie for uh, a, sh a sport for an hour and a, like almost an hour and a half and it ends in zero zero mm -hmm. I was like you literally watch a sport for six hours you watch a sport for six hours sometimes it ends in zeros one zero one nothing but you're okay with that but you won't watch this soccer is which is, is it's interesting yeah. Yeah. Um, what people gravitate gravitate towards yeah. to, and like it goes back to the theory of the grass is always greener. Like, yeah, you were saying how you love American culture, and I'm, and it's not that I hate American culture. It's just like I really love, yeah, I really like you said, like the grass is greener. Like I love going to Europe. I love just relaxing, but at the same time, I do realize that I'm there on vacation, so I'm not working there. So I don't, I get to go to the coffee shop and do nothing and stare and people watch and, but, but, but there still is, I do still get something from when I experience it with the people that I speak to. Cause I always, I always reach out and try to speak to a local and stuff. There is a difference of like, I'm going to relax right now mm -hmm. and don't bother me. <laughs> but I also remember that being before text had taken over and stuff. Maybe you could fill me in. Like, is there a big like push of working culture and like working all the time and constantly thinking about work and getting done and paying bills? Or is there still like uh there's time for family and friends and relaxing and coffee and sitting outside with an espresso um, or just a drink and like not thinking about anything else. Like work is work when we get to work. Like, is that still there? Yeah, it's definitely the latter. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's such an American thing to always have striving on your mind. And I, like I said, being Americanized, I always thought that's the way to go. And now I'm more European. But a friend of mine from New York put it best when she said, Americans uh, live to work and Europeans work to live. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I think mm -hmm. that. And yes, that's a perfect wow. saying. Wow. I say that all the time, and I and even though when I go away, I come, I try to come back and say I'm gonna act that way. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to fight against the current that is the United States. Mm -hmm. Like it's very very hard. It's easier when you go to a culture that's it's built in, and it, like no matter how many Americans will say they want to be that way, mm -hmm. they just don't. It just you can't let it go. You can't shake it off. Like it's well, maybe a, nostalgia is that is that little is. vacation, right? It's like that little mm -hmm. vacation that like can like for an hour and a half or whatever it is, like during a movie or two hours that you just go there and then you come back. Yeah, and it, it is a, time yeah. travel. It is actually yeah. it taking is. a vacation in a different time period. Yeah. The last point I want to make to your question, yeah. um, I think um, going forward we will connect more and more to nostalgic experiences with films, music, or books, or whatever. 
where we know that other people have experienced the same thing. So I think that won't go away with niche culture. I think niche can create different experiences, but not the big shared experience of nostalgia. What I'm interested in is this kind of nostalgia for a future that hasn't happened yet. I think that's something in the wow. in the collective mindset at the moment. Wow. Well, yeah. Georg, that's, that'd be interesting. Future nostalgia. Love, yeah. I would love to have you back on and talk about that because that's like, I think a great place to kind of leave it because it's yeah. like to have you back to kind of talk about that type of idea would be amazing. But this was so great. I mean, seriously, thank we you just, for This is just on. the icing. I'm not the yeah, icing. This is just the base yeah. of the cake because <laughs> we, we got more with you. We so you got, build the we cake from the bottom up now? <laughs> the base of the cake. Yeah, the, right? base the cake the rises, cake. then you put an icing on it. Yeah. I can't say it's the icing on the cake. This is just, it's, I meant to say this is the tip of the iceberg, okay? <laughs> got it. Got it. So, yeah, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know it's late or early morning, and we really, really appreciate it because this was so great, so much fun, and learned. Yeah, so you much. made me thank you so think much. and talk about things that I didn't even think about ever. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't, I never analyze yeah. nostalgia that way. So yeah. I, usually, I appreciate it. We're usually yelling about troll dolls and why they have yeah. bugs. I mean, like, <laughs> but thank you so much, Georg, for being here. This was so amazing. Thank um, you. And, yeah. And definitely, we would love to have you back. Uh, definitely, um, and everyone out there. Love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Put your comments in the below. Let us know your thoughts on nostalgia. What are your favorite pieces of nostalgia? Maybe it's favorite nostalgic movies, music. We, you know, you know us, we'll do it all. So we want to hear what you want us also to put to the test, but definitely comment, like, subscribe, share with your friends, have a nostalgic experience with them listening to this. Why not? Like, <laughs> Georg, thanks again for being on the podcast. And everyone, we'll see you next time on The Nostalgia. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Please subscribe to The Nostalgia Test podcast to know when new episodes drop. Don't forget to leave us five stars and a positive review so more people can find the podcast. Share your thoughts and memories on today's topic on our Twitter, at Nostalgia Test, and on Instagram, at The Nostalgia Test. Tune in next time because you never know what pop culture will pop up on The Nostalgia Test.